ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Built on Purpose podcast, where each episode I interview exceptional leaders, entrepreneurs, authors, philosophers, and some straight-up interesting people to explore their outlook on life, work, and leadership. My name is Brian Moore, co-founder and managing partner of Scouts, and today I'm interviewing Matt Altman. Matt is one of the most unique individuals I've had the opportunity to interview. In fact, this concept of uniqueness is something we cover quite extensively. Matt has chosen to integrate this concept into every part of his life. After 12 years of working for a variety of professional sports teams focused in the merchandising area, he and his fellow co-founder decided to launch a lifestyle apparel company called Sportique. What started out as a business focused on creating a more comfortable brand of clothing has turned into so much more, a business that is focused on celebrating the unique fan inside of everyone. Building and growing a business requires hiring the right people. Matt shares his philosophy around the importance of aligning the right people to the company and its culture. We talk about the importance of learning as a continuous journey and how Matt believes his role as a leader is to help people become the best version of themselves by creating the best environment in which people can grow and thrive. In addition to his role as the principal of Sportique, Matt is an accomplished speaker and delivered a powerful TED Talk about the two ingredients necessary to be rich. We'll cover this topic in more detail. Matt is a deeply philosophical leader, and there's no doubt you'll walk away from this episode with a deeper appreciation for everyone in your life. Enjoy this special episode with Matt Altman. Ladies and gentlemen, joining me is Matt Altman. Matt, it is wonderful to have you on the Built on Purpose podcast show. Thank you so much, and welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. It's great uh, to be a part of this, and thanks for inviting me to chat. Absolutely, absolutely. So I want to give our audience a little bit of a sense of who the heck is Matt Altman. So maybe you can share just a little bit about uh, about who you are and what you're up to right now. Well, first and foremost, I think I'm just uh, – I look at myself as just a human being um, on the face of this earth trying to live a life of purpose and really enjoy, um, you know, as much of this life as I can and um, really kind of take uh, in all that the richness that this life has to offer and, you know, the trials and tribulations um, and really try and plug in the things that I'm passionate about, the things that I like and, and be a part of, uh, be a part of that. So I know one of the things that you're incredibly passionate about is this concept of being unique. And this concept, I think, has played a fairly central role in your life for the past, what I'll say, many, many years. Um, You also gave a TED Talk on this topic about being unique. Can you give uh, our audience a sense about what this uniqueness concept has meant to you and why it's taken such a central part of your life or has played such a central part of your life? Sure. Um, I think where I would first start is it's, um, in, in, is not, it's not really a concept. It's, it's, I think it's a reality. The reality is, um, every human being is unique. Every moment is unique. Every breath is unique. Um, every experience that we have, um, is unique and, and we really can't replicate and repeat. Um, we may try, but, um, and so 
this whole this whole understanding for me about uniqueness has really helped kind of put a lot of my life into perspective in terms of just understanding what does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to have this this gift of, of, of being alive? And to really come and look at it from that perspective as opposed to the multitude of ways we could maybe look at our life in maybe a negative way. And I think understanding, um, you know, what it means for me to be, you know, unique, that um, there is no one like me on the face of this earth. And that's neither good nor bad. It just it just is. And what does that that mean to me? How do I look at myself and how do I then see what is it that I have that I can bring to my life and to this world in terms of uh, gifts, talents, strengths, uh, et cetera. And, and I think it's one of the challenges for a human to really find it, to really, to really find what those gifts and strengths are that, that you have and, and then really get busy, you know, using them. Is this a mindset that you've had dating back to a very early age? Was there a pivotal moment in your life when this concept came into focus? Share a little bit about that. Sure. I, I think I think so much of it, you know, there is the whole mind-body connection. So, the, yeah, there is a mindset. And I think, you know, for me, when I, when, I, when I heard you, you know, bring up the word uniqueness, so many things just then go to my, you know, to my brain in terms of you know, what that means. Um, but for me, it was it was a process. I think ultimately, I always knew um, this, but it was kind of buried within my you know conscious uh, in terms of of that mindset. And I think as you know, I transitioned from uh, college to the workforce and trying to understand you know more of who I am and you know and my place in in, in the world that um that understanding of of being unique i think really started to um come to the to the forefront i think um in in seeking a better understanding of of who i am um you know that uniqueness was kind of uh something that just really started to resonate with me in terms of what does it mean to be alive why am i here what is the purpose of of my life and start start actually looking to address those answers for myself. And I think the whole uniqueness has just kind of been this theme that's kind of carried, carried with me. So as you've been exploring these questions, and they're pretty deep, uh, profound questions, have you arrived at any answers that are getting you closer to uh, you know, that magic question of why, why are you here? So... So simply, yes, but I will then also say it's a process of discovery every day that what I, what I learned today about myself applied to today, but I still need to do that again, you know, tomorrow and the next day and the next. So it, it becomes really a part of, you know, who I am in terms of always seeking to learn, grow and, and evolve. And I think, um, you know, I, I think that's just really, you know, an important, you know, part, important aspect of, you know, just how I look at things. So 
You are the principal and one of the co-founders of a company called Sportique. Tell us mm-hmm. a story of Sportique. So Sportique um, started in 2006. Uh, myself and co-founder uh, Jason Franklin, we were, I think, at similar points in our in our career and really wanting to embrace our entre- entrepreneurial spirit. Um, prior to starting Sportique, I had worked 12 years uh, in professional sports, namely in doing uh, merchandising for the Phoenix Suns, Arizona Diamondbacks, Phoenix Coyotes, basically all of the professional sports teams in town related to um, the arena and the, and, the, and the ballpark. And so I really saw uh, a niche in being able to deliver better lifestyle apparel to to the marketplace, and um, really it was kind of you know Sportique was kind of really born out of out of that niche. But I think from a from an individual standpoint, it was really looking to challenge uh, my you know myself and being able to start start this business. And as the company has evolved, we really have honed in on, you know, that uniqueness. We've always looked to celebrate um, the uniqueness of of, uh, of people, but not only the people, it's it's also the, the things that are happening within, you know, the business. And then also this notion of comfort and uh, really looking to you know, help people feel comfortable. And this has kind of taken a, a big turn for for the for the company in terms of how we look at not only the product, but how we look at our process, how we look at how we are working with people internally and externally and really helping people feel comfortable. This this focus on merchandising when you were working for some of the major sports teams in Arizona was there something specific around merchandising and that part of the business that drew you in or was it just sort of that was the opportunity that was available and you wanted to be in a sports environment in the earlier part of your career? So I think it's, it's a little bit of, of both. When I look back at my childhood, I was always interested in clothes. Um, I was, I was very particular in terms of what I wanted to wear the fa- how the fabrics felt. Um, I was always feeling oriented. So I'll, even I can remember just shopping in a department store with my grandfather, um, who he who grew up and worked in the garment uh, district in New York City. I would always would be feeling fabrics. I would always be looking at brands and labels. And so there was already an interest in in the product side from an apparel standpoint. Then um, I've I've been part of sports and and, and athletics um, since since I was a kid. I think my favorite toy growing up was a ball. Everything else didn't matter if it was a ball. I was good. Um, and so I've always been involved in in sports. Always followed the business of sports. So it was very fortuitous that upon graduating uh, U of A, which at the time I was uh, majoring in accounting, and I was kind of set forth on going in an account route uh, in terms of a career, there was this opportunity to intern for the Phoenix Suns in the merchandising department. And I, and I jumped at the, the opportunity and just, I, I, the one thing I remember is 
I, that first summer doing that internship, I worked as many hours as I could day and night. And I never, ever felt like it was work. I felt like it was just, it was just great. And so I think the environment, what I was doing, I didn't even know those things were possible. And it kind of just fortuitously, you know, happened. So the company, I know at least early on and likely still today, uh, has some pretty uh, well-known brands uh, and companies who you partner with and have agreements with, you know, the likes of Google and Nintendo and the House of Blues and a variety of musical acts and the NBA. How do you identify and how does the Sportique team identify the companies and brands out there that you feel are going to appreciate that same sense of comfort, that same sense of uniqueness that the Sportique brand represents? Well, I, it's a good question, and I think it starts really with people, right? So people have all kinds of interests, right? And and when we started the, the company, one of our taglines was, was fashion for the fan, and that everyone is a fan of something. Whether you're a fan of sports, um, the NBA, which has been a great partner um, of ours since day one, uh, a fan of the Dave Matthews Band, a fan of the House of Blues, a fan of Nintendo, um, there's that niche and there's that that person who is is wanting a quality, comfortable apparel item to show support of of what they're a fan of, and so. You know, Sportique has has really looked to work with um, a lot of top brands, um, you know, nationally and and even some internationally, to where um, they have a demographic and and a niche of of that customer that could um, really embrace uh, what Sportique is about and what we can do in terms of helping them feel comfortable and 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 showing off the brand um, that they are you know, a fan of. So let's, let's take that same question and apply it internally. So as you and Jason and the team have been building the business, uh, as it's grown, of course, you've brought people on to help you continue its growth. How are you able to recognize in individuals, people who are raising their hand and saying, hey, I want to come spend time and I want to I want to work for Sportique in a particular capacity that I have expertise where I think I can add value in addition to the value that they can bring from a, a functional standpoint and fulfilling a particular uh, need that the business has. How are you been able or how have you been able to identify whether or not that person is going to place as much of a value on this this concept of uniqueness as well as the concept of comfort so that they really fit into the ideals that are so central uh, to the core of what makes Sportique who it is. Well, it's it's one one thing I, I will say that um, I'm really proud of is, is the team that we do have at, at Sportique. And, and I think one thing to note is the there's the core team at Sportique now has has really been with us since since almost inception. We've had from our art director, operations manager, and our sales manager um, have been with us you know since 2006, 2007, and so it's been a testament to um, to them and to 
to the company that um, the team has has really um, been a part of this this journey, and it's been a team effort. Um, none of this can really be done by by one individual, and I think that's probably you know the biggest core value we have is is teamwork. And then it's and then it was you know and as the company evolves out of startup and starts really having an, an identity, you start understanding more of what the culture is about and what you want to create, and what is it that you're looking for, in in bringing someone in to the to the team, to continue to evolve and, and grow um, the goals of the of the business, and so. Um, I think alignment is really important. I think understanding, um, you know, your culture, understanding your values is really important. And then being able to express those to people who are looking to come be a part of your, be a part of your team. And then being able to assess, is there alignment? Um, is there a culture fit? Do the skills, you know, do the skills match? Um, you know, and again, I'll, you know, I've there's been trial and error. We've had we've had some great people who had great skill sets, but not a good culture fit, not a good alignment. And I I can't speak more to what um, alignment and culture fit really means. Um, and I would take that way over than than a highly skilled person, um, because uh, at the end of the day, uh, I think. You know, having really a good teamwork with proper culture fit and alignment, you're going to go a lot further, and probably be more profitable too than than um, than not. And I think you got to be conscious. Um, I think someone, you know, where I sit, that's I, I feel that's a big part of my role in in looking at bringing people in is is will they fit with the culture and the team, and also do they have the same drive that we have internally to really learn, grow and, and evolve and be um, able to be themselves. And I know um, that takes a, a little bit of a turn from your, from your question, but I think for me, um, I want people to be able to come to work and really be the best version of themselves every day. And, and so that means they have to be, they have to feel comfortable to be, to be themselves. And you have to give people that space, um, a little bit of space, a little bit of elbow room so they could be who they, who they are and be able to then connect with the, the vision of the, of the, of the company and bring their own unique gifts, talents, and strengths to the forefront instead of, um, me or, or or other other entities pushing um, them to fit into a, a certain mold. If that makes any sense? Yeah, no, it does. And and I want to go back to a comment that you made uh, at the very beginning of our conversation is that um, every day is unique. Every breath you take is unique, and what you recognize today is today's lessons learned and you have to wake up tomorrow and do it all over again. This process of learning is a never ending journey. And so mm -hmm. uh, my question for you is, as you bring people onto the team and as you've brought people onto the Sportique team, I would imagine there has been a circumstance or two where the person you hired on day one 
as they've continued their own journey, their consciousness journey, their 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 self uh, discovery journey, and the place in the world uh, where they believe they fit. Have you had any circumstances where the person you hired on day one by year two or year three has evolved greatly and under your care and under your leadership and that of the team where they reached a crossroads and they no longer belonged as a member of where Sportique was going? Have you, do you have any stories ar- around that? So I, I don't have... I can speak to um, me seeing the involvement and growth in people. I haven't seen yet where someone has has gotten to that growth where okay, I'm, you know, they they wanted to you know to move to move on. I think what's what's unique in being able to create an environment where someone can really learn, grow, and evolve is there's no limit. So you really, there are really no limits to what you can, you can do. The only limits is what you put on yourself or what you allow someone to put on you. Um, or if there are limits that's within the, within uh, an environment, uh, in this case, um, a company to where, you know what, you've hit a ceiling and you can't, you can't do anything anymore and you need to, to continue to learn, grow and evolve. And so you move on and case in point, that's really where I was. In my career, um, with with uh, you know the Suns and the Diamondbacks, because I really had hit that that ceiling, and so I think for me is sitting where I sit is, am I doing the best that I can do to create an environment where people can can evolve, and if they have hit that ceiling, to recognize it and to be able to then present opportunities that can further help them evolve you know, within the constructs of the, of the company. And if not, then support them to be able to move on um, as they, as they see fit. And so what I've seen though, so far is, especially in the last two, you know, three, two, three years is just a lot of individual growth as the company. And what I've also seen is the company has grown. The company has, is, from a health standpoint is, is much better than where it was two, three years ago. And then I also look at the people and I see, wow, people are also healthier than, than they were two, three years ago from certain pivots, certain things that, that um, decisions that we made um, that really caused some shifts uh, within, within the company. And so where you start seeing now, I, I kind of look at this, where I feel there's a, there's a line, right? I'm, I'm not responsible for how someone really lives their, their life. So it's up to them They're you know, through whatever choices they make. Um, but I can create an environment. We can create an environment that allows and supports someone to grow and evolve and be the best version of themselves. So that means if they want to go on a diet, great. If they want to change certain things in their lifestyle, great. Uh, if they want to learn new things, take on new, new projects, you know, you know, great. Um, it's not for me to, you know, to judge, but I just want to provide the platform so people feel that they can do it. It's, it and, sounds like a, almost a summary. And what I'm hearing is 
you feel uh, as the principal of the organization, which in my view is the equivalent of the CEO, that it's your responsibility to create an environment in which the people who choose to join Sportique, in, in the event that they do leave, that they will have left a better human being than when they came. And that sounds like in a short summary of what I'm hearing. Is that accurate? Well, I mean, yes, but I would also say whilst they're even here, you know, that, that, that's, that's happening, you know, and, you know, on some level whilst they're, whilst they're here as well. I mean, that's a really Um, interesting, um, concept, honestly. I mean, I don't know that there are, are a ton of uh, executive leaders out there who are leading companies that think about their responsibility as the CEO or the principal or, or the GM or whatever the title happens to be. Frankly, it's title, t- title irrelevant, that it's their responsibility to create an environment in where people can become the best versions of themselves. That's usually... Uh, a, a sort of a throwaway. Oh boy, it'd be great if we could do that. But at the end of the day, my job as a leader is to drive business results. And it sounds like that at least at parity, you're going to drive business results, but you've tapped into a hidden ingredient, which frankly isn't that mysterious, is that if I can help people become the best version of themselves, they will help our organization drive better results. I think I think you look at it very differently than perhaps the way many leaders do. Do you, do you agree with that? Yeah, I would. I would agree. I would agree with that. And um, I think what I would, what I would, what I would say to that is, um, it, well, what I what I would say to that is, uh, kind of lost my my train of thought for a second. Yeah, no um, problem. No problem. If you, I, I've got a, it, I've got a follow up. If uh, if if the thought bubble sure. has to come back, sure, go for it. Yeah. For so it. you know, from a from a values and an overall culture perspective, one of the things that you talked about was, um, you know, after the first few years, things really began to uh, become more clear of of who Sportique really is. And what I took from that comment, and you said it a little bit differently, but what I took from it is that. It wasn't just about you and Jason back in the early days planting a flag and declaring this is who we are and this is who we're going to be. It sounds like you approached it quite collaboratively and allowed many voices to be heard so that it wasn't one singular uh, concept that was put into action. Is that is that correct? Correct. In fact, when we when we sat down to work on the values of Sportique, it was, um, it was, you know, uh, the management team, it was uh, a a collaborative effort amongst, um, you know, members of Sportique. It wasn't one person that said, this is, you know, this is it. And I, and I think, um, I think that's important because um, I, I, I want people to be a part of the decision-making process and feel empowered to um, be able to come forward with, you know, ideas or, or help shape decisions and, and things of that nature. Um, at the end of the day, there's always, there's always, you have to then look at, is this, is this in alignment with the company? Um, does it, um, does it flick, tick and tie from a, from a business acumen, you know, standpoint as well. And so, 
I think that's where, you know, where I sit, you know, making sure that, you know, things are being steered in, in, in the right direction. And, um, so my brain now is working again and I, and I remembered what I wanted to <laughs> back to. fire away. Um, so I, I guess, you know, again, I, I look at the one thing is at the end of the day is who is, how or how our business is operating, right? And so it's people. It's people that are that are you know running the business, making the decisions, making the product, um, talking to customers, you know things of that nature. And you know we look at um, you know financials and we see numbers. We don't see we don't really see people, but it was people that that really were behind all of the things that we end up analyzing a company for. And so then I start looking at it, okay, well, what is it about, you know, I just drill it down to a human being on the face of this earth. And what is it that I think is essential and at the core for, for every human being? And that is, there's a certain fundamental things that we, I don't think we can really escape. And one is learning. I think we're here to learn um, from when we were very, very young and a baby and learning to walk to you know, going to school and, and all the things that we, we go through in life and, and learning is just a part of the human experience. And I think if you start embracing learning and it, it just becomes, I think, habitual instead of painful, which sometimes it, it you know, that could happen. Um, we're also here to teach, you know, and we're to, to give and to, to receive. Um, but ultimately, too, fundamentally, is people want to be happy. If you really ask that question to somebody, what do they really want in their life? When you start, you know, they might say a car or they want a house or, or, or whatever. But at the end, what's that? If you really drill down to the why, it's, it's really that people want to be happy. And so when you start then looking at, okay, I, I'm I'm a part of a company, part of a, a, a leader in, in a business, and I have people that are, you know, working for the for the business. How do I? How do people then want to be treated? And so, you, if you start looking at it from from that perspective, it, it changes your, your your the lens a little and how you you look at. Um, someone that you're working with as opposed to a number or uh, an employee, if you can start looking at, hey, this is, this is a human being and be able to listen to somebody from that perspective, it, I think it just kind of changes. And I think it, it dignifies the, 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 the relationship that you have with, you know, with people that you work with. And that could be employees, it could be supply chain, it can be vendors, you know, customers, um, you know, et cetera. And if you can start looking at the fundamentals of what a human being is really looking for and apply that into your management style, um, you know, some unique things, you know, could happen. Um, things that you, that I think just naturally happen because, you know, a human being is a human being. Um, and then I think the last thing is people like to be, people want to be acknowledged. They want to be appreciated. You want to, you want to appreciate things in your own life. When you see something pretty 
or beautiful, there's there's this feeling of appreciation. That's, I think, a very fundamental thing, too, for humans is we have this ability to appreciate. And I think um, treating people in that same regard, I think, is important. So I want to continue along uh, this this spirit of the conversation here and transition to your TED Talk that you gave uh, a handful of years ago. And one of the comments from your, your TED talk, it was a TEDx talk in Tempe. And one of the comments you made is that everyone is rich. <laughs> so what makes all of us rich? So uh, I have to, I have to kind of uh, preface my, my answer in, in saying that when I gave that, te- that TED talk, and I talked about being being rich. Um, so much of of that was was learned from, uh, or was the story I talked about being rich was from uh, listening to Prem Rawat, who's an international speaker on peace. And he had said, you know, everyone is rich. Every single person is is rich. And went on to say that there's two things that are required you know to be rich one you have to have something that is very precious very valuable and the second is you have to have a lot of it you have a have to have it in abundance and so what i said in the ted talk was okay well if you had a a gold coin or a gold nugget and it was you know just really small little coin well, yes, that, that gold coin is very valuable. It's precious. But if you just had one, probably not rich. But if you had thousands, you know, of those coins, then sure, you can, you know, you can say you're rich. And so what is it about every single human being that makes them rich? What is it that everybody has that is extremely precious, extremely valuable? And also is in abundance. Like we, I don't even think I've been able to even count how many of of these I had in my lifetime. And what I'm talking about is your breath. Uh, it is the most precious, valuable thing we have as a human being. It allows us to be alive. Plain and simple. So I can't be talking to you if I wasn't alive and because I'm, you know, I have this breath and it's coming to me, then uh, I'm alive. And um, there's a question that I, that I always like to pose to people if I get into deeper conversations and that, you know, that question is, is what is the most important thing happening in your life right now? And the key in that question is now, now being, you know, now. And most people will answer, you know, their job, their friends, their family, their parents. And, um, but the reality is now is this breath. That to me is the most important thing that's happening in my life. And then the question is, if it is the most important thing, and if I can recognize that it is the most important thing, how much attention am I paying to the most important thing in my life? And so that really causes a shift for me when 
I start connecting to myself, my breath in a, in a, in a, in a conscious way, as opposed to just thinking, oh yeah, I have a breath and you know, you know, it's going to come again and again and again. And we don't really know if it is, you know, I, I, you know, I've been on this planet now for 44 some odd years and it's been coming. So I have a good track record that, yep, it's probably going to come the rest of the day and it's going to come tomorrow, but you don't, you know, you really don't know. No guarantees. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's, it's so true. It is so true. I want to, I want to go back if I can, just for a moment and go back to the, the concept of uniqueness in particular, uh, talk about Sportique and Sportique having such recognizable brands as clients. Do you worry at all that the uniqueness of the Sportique brand is being overshadowed or drowned out by the power of your clients' brands and what makes them unique? Well, that's a it's a good question, right? So if you look at it from you know our business model our business model is working with you know third parties in help creating cool lifestyle you know concepts in in apparel for for their brand so we're really collaborating with that with that with that customer um and so people are going to come to sporty because you know they one, they're gonna like they're they're gonna like the product, the the look, the fit, and the feel, and the, and the comfort of the product, and the design element that we bring, you know, to the to the table. So, in working with uh, the grant, like for example, the Grand Old Opry, um, you know, where we've got we've we've been working with them now for the last three four years, and namely the last two years, on uh, a lot of a lot of. Um, custom you know products where really it's about it's about them for us it's about what are we putting on that garment that really speaks to the grand old opry and to the to that fan who's coming to nashville and coming to the grand old opry that is going to it's going to resonate so so there's an element of sportique in terms of you know the brand but it's not about you know the brand per se when we're working with the Grand Old Grand Old Opry. Same thing with Nintendo. You know, um, so which is really interesting. You know, you've got the music scene and then you have the gaming scene. And the thing is, what what you know, sitting where I sit now, it's like you really can see well people really have that that um, value of of good quality product, whether they're a fan of gaming or a fan of, a fan of music. And so then it's, how do we, how do we bring the elements of the brand of Nintendo and fuse that with, with Sportique? And I think that's kind of one, one of the unique things about Sportique is that we can connect with that brand and give them a product that, um, if you went to the Grand Ole Opry or you went to the Nintendo store, you know, that Sportique, but it's unique to that third party's brand. It's unique to Nintendo. It's unique to the Opry. And then, and then the, the, probably the last aspect is the Sportique brand in and of itself, which is, I think, an untapped area for the, for the company in terms of bringing the brand, bringing the essence of the brand, um, to the direct to the consumer. 
whether that be just, you know, the product of Sportique. And what we have found is someone might be at an NBA game and buy a Chicago Bulls uh, Sportique shirt and then come to Sportique and, and then want to get that same shirt that just is just says Sportique on it or it's just blank because they just like the fit and the, the comfort of, of the garment. So it sounds like maybe at some point down the road, uh, an expansion of the Sportique brand as its own standalone uh, is certainly a possibility. Absolutely. Cool. Very cool. So um, I happen to know that uh, you have a favorite joke. And I'm hoping uh, we can uh, tie things up here uh, with uh, with this particular joke. And for those of you listening that uh, might be offended by foul language, I can assure you um, that that this joke, at least as I understand it, is not a foul language joke. So, uh, Matt, would you be so kind as to share uh, one of your favorite jokes sure. with us? Yeah, it's um, it's definitely one of my favorite jokes. I. I, I'm not good at remembering uh, jokes, and this one is the only one that that I really remember. And if anyone ever, if I'm ever in a situation and, and need to tell a joke, this is it. But I think it's it was very apropos in in talking about it on the on the on the TED stage, and I and I think it's just still apropos and even in this conversation. Um, so the joke is a snail got mugged by three turtles. And the officer went to the snail and said, did you get a good look at him? And the snail said, no, it happened so fast. <laughs> that is a good, clean, easy, and, and, and that's a pretty funny joke. And, yeah. uh, the, the good ones, the good, clean ones are hard to come by. They really are. Well, Matt, I got to tell you that, uh, you know, in the spirit of that joke, uh, our time together really moved by very, very quickly. It's it's always a pleasure chatting with you. Uh, there's a, a real sense of calmness and presence about you um, in the times that we've had opportunities to chat in the past. Uh, you are one of a small handful of people that feels very present. Um, when I'm in your company. And so I appreciate that. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out to, uh, to chat with me today and share some of your story with our audience. Uh, for those of you out there uh, that are not aware of Sportique or have not been exposed to any of their, any of their products, the website is Sportique.com. And Sportique is spelled uniquely. It's S-P-O-R-T-I-Q-E. Mm-hmm. No U after the Q. So Sportique without the U after the Q. So Sportique.com. I encourage all of you to uh, visit the site, check it out. Uh, There's lots of great stuff on there. And uh, any last words of advice or anything that uh, we didn't cover that you wanted to be sure we covered, Matt? Uh, No, I I mean, first of all, Brian, thank you for the opportunity to just for the conversation and, and reaching out. Um, it's, it's been, a, it's been an honor to, to chat with you about it. And I think the last parting thing I, I would just, I would just say is, is really um, for, you know, for the listeners is your life. And it's a great gift to be alive. And what do you want to do with this gift? Cause there's really, you can do anything. And even if it's 
a big, big dream, a big, big vision, great. Start making small steps and start moving in the direction towards that. And uh, it'll be fun. Uh, it would be a fun journey to watch and see how things unfold as you move in, in that direction. Well, thank you, Matt. Much appreciated. Best of luck to you and the Sportique team. And uh, I look forward to our next interaction. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thanks, Brian. I hope you enjoyed hearing Matt's story. If you're interested in a transcribed version of this episode or you want to listen to more episodes of the Built on Purpose podcast, please visit yscouts.com forward slash podcast. If you'd like to recommend someone as a guest for the show, please drop me a line at brian at yscouts.com. I promise more great interviews are on the way. Thanks again for listening.